Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Soccer Radio on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network as well as Sirius XM 211 Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host Nick Geever. Terrific to be with you as we are now midway through uh, this final week of interminable international football. You know how I feel about it. I've talked about it a lot on this show. I will probably talk about it again today on this show. But in the international world we have had some talking points most recently of course would be Germany's absolute shellacking at the hands of Spain in the Nations League. Let's talk about that and the possible future of one Yogi Lowe. We are presented to you by betonline.ag and with the NFL season in full swing, you might not be at the game, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to teams, player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus there's the online casino, which never closes. Head over to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, betonline.ag and sign up today. Uh, let them be your online sportsbook experts. Um, lots, yeah, I mean, the look, there is stuff to get to today. Um, you know how much I dislike these international breaks because I feel that they uh, really kind of break the mojo of the leagues and uh players become very susceptible to injury etc etc and i don't personally like it however uh, we did have a whopper of a result which we'll get to after the break in uh between germany and spain and i think that is most certainly worth discussing because i think if you had told me uh that that result was going to be a six nil uh clean sheet uh, in Spain against Germany, I don't think anyone uh, would have believed you. All right, we'll pick that this discussion up on the other side of the break. Uh, this is World Soccer Radio. Uh, we are also on the American Forces Network, so I'd like to welcome all of our men and women in uniform to the show who are listening around the world. Great to have you with me. Uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, then again, midnight Pacific on Sports Overnight America. That's 3 a.m. Eastern time. World Soccer Radio, stay with me, folks. Be right back after this. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. Oh, welcome back to Soccer Radio. He's on my brain and body need. On the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Series XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. By the way, if you, we are presented by BetOnline.ag, and if you miss any part of this show, you can check us out immediately following it on our podcast network, the Believe Podcast Network, where you might also find some other great soccer programming, such as BSI the Podcast, hosted by Benny Failhaber, Sal Zizo, Ike Opara, a really fun show, and then, of course, Shep Messing's Daily Cast. If you want all things uh, New York Red Bulls, you can check out Shep every day. Uh, find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcast provider, or head over to BLEAVBelieve.com and subscribe today. So the interminable international break is here. We have been doing uh, last, well, was it last week, Monday? I forget. We did 
a full Europa, pardon me, uh, with the Euros, uh, Euro preview. But the Nations League is going on, and while I, I like the Nations League because it's better than meaningless friendlies, which I absolutely cannot stand, the drama does occasionally come through, even though the Nations League is somewhat of a sort of kind of meaningless type of tournament that isn't really all that important in the big scheme of things. Having said that, uh, as a precursor to the Euros coming up, it is very important, which is why uh, Germany shellacking a 6-0 defeat at the hands of Spain in Spain, in Sevilla, is shocking, to say the least, um, because keep in mind, uh, up to this point in the Nations League, uh, Spain had scored seven goals, and Germany had scored ten. Uh, Germany had conceded six. Spain had only conceded three. So defensively, you know, Spain were, were well were doing well, but Germany were, were certainly uh, scoring plenty of goals. No one in their right mind figured that this would be a six-nil scoreline, including an early goal from Morata, a Ferran Torres with a hat trick, Rodri, uh, Oyarzabal got scored in the 90th minute for Spain. Uh, and if you think about, for a minute, um, this Spanish team, whereas, uh, you know, they're a great team, they haven't been playing that well. I mean, they, they beat Switzerland 1-0 in Madrid. They tied, they lost in Ukraine 1-0. They drew 1-1 to Switzerland uh, in Basel. And then to come home, though, and shellac Germany 6-0 was an absolute shocker. Now, the press, of course, going absolutely crazy. This whole group is thrown up into turmoil for two reasons. Uh, number one is, if Ukraine play, beats Switzerland and beats them by a reasonable goal margin, uh, it is possible that Ukraine will actually leapfrog Germany. Or not. That match, of course, has been postponed because of COVID tests. Uh, Germany will come out of this group second, but who really cares? What it ca what you, why you should care about this is two reasons. Number one is this was a young German team that was put out on the pitch, but an excellent team. Let's not uh, minimize the quality of the German team that was put out against this Spanish team. Uh, Timo Werner, uh, Serge Gnabry, uh, Leroy Sané up top, uh, Cruz, Gundogan, and Goretzka in the, mid in the midfield. And then you had Max Koch, Sula, and Ginter defensively, and Neuer in goal. So it was a, a, a definitely a younger team, no doubt about it. But a 6-0 scoreline is the type of scoreline that will see managers off to uh, greener pastures. And of course... Uh, this is what the press, and particularly in Germany, are calling for. Um, Bild, which is, you know, a very influential German newspaper for football, said uh, Lo, uh, Jürgi Lowe should offer his resignation. Uh, he should just get lucky they got out of Seville quickly. Uh, the football world is in shock, and he should go. Um, the Frankfurter Rudenschau said the team has let down its coach. These young players, any goodwill they had was used up in 90 minutes. 
The Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung says, given the current state of the team, uh, the goal of reaching the Euro semis is absolutely impossible. And that is the rub, of course. Cologne's Express said it's a lifeless team full of total failure. Uh, maybe that's a little harsh. But it was really just one result. The question is, uh, will Yogi Lowe survive this? Kicker, their online poll asked if Lowe is the right man to coach Germany. Unsurprisingly, uh, it was 93.8% uh, 9 well, when 93.8% of Germans say nine, you know you're in trouble. Um, look, if you are a fan of uh, Germany, I don't think you want to make take, uh, take this one as anything other than, say, Liverpool's dismantling uh, by Aston Villa. Uh, is it indicative of some problems in the team? Yes, absolutely. Are there issues? Yes. Are all these young players ready for prime time? Uh, probably, but maybe not. Do you fire the coach? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think. You know, uh, less than a year out from the Euros, you should be firing Yogi Lowe. I just doesn't make any sense to me why you would want to do that, other than trying to cover up for your humiliating embarrassment at the hand of Spain. But, you know, the Spanish team is good, no doubt about it. Uh, the French team, I think, is the best. And I don't think anybody should be overly surprised if France wins the Euros or, you know, goes to the final. Will Germany? You know, prior to this, uh, prior to this result, I, m I might have thought that they would. But, you know, the thing is, that once teams have seen you taken apart 6-0, they look at you a different way. And again, let's turn this around to the Premier League. This is very similar to some of the issues this year that Liverpool's having, is that people are seeing this team that last year was uh, almost went the entire season unbeaten, is beatable. And once people think you can be had, they get extra confidence for, from that. And so I think the German team is certainly going to suffer that. It's going to make the Euros more difficult for them. Um, uh, you know, do I think they're not favorites? I wouldn't have thought they were favorites anyway. And I'll go to betonline.ag here actually during the break and I'll check the odds uh, for the Euros and let's see how they've shifted and let's have a little chat about that. But I would think that France is still the prohibitive favorites here for the Euros, the way they look, the Spanish team probably moving up. I always think Spain kind of flatters to deceive a little bit, uh, particularly, um, particularly on uh, the international, on these big international tournaments. That's just, uh, you know, that's just my, that's just my take on it. Uh, I, I know that there are fans of the Spanish national team that will completely, completely disagree with me, and I and I and I respect that, but. I still like very much the uh, I still very much like France as an overall favorite and the reason there was a little pause there is I am looking to see if I can find what I need which is the futures for the uh, the euros so uh, we will get there anyway I'll try to look at this during the break and see if I can find it for you because I think that would be a lot of fun.
let's take a look and see who is currently favored. Uh, we do have a whole slate of Premier League matches, by the way, coming up over the weekend and on Friday's show. We will break that down for you, and I'll give you all the odds and my patented picks, courtesy of betonline.ag. All right, I'm going to take a break. Be right back. Radio. Yeah, one thing I don't have is a boring job, and I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing. I'm Nick Eber, your host, with you every Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific, then again at 9, and then again at midnight Pacific, so that's 9 p.m. on the east, and then again 3 a.m., the uh, midnight and 3 a.m. Sh- uh, versions of the show you can hear on Sports Overnight America. Coming to you on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'd like to welcome our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. So uh, we're talking a little bit about the Euros and the odds of winning. Uh, These odds generally have not actually been updated since uh, the uh, shocking defeat of Germany uh, uh, in Spain, at the hands of Spain, six goals to nil. If we look at the... uh, If we look at the... Uh, trajectory in terms of odds of the top five of the Euros. It's fascinating to see, uh, for example, uh, how uh, it was plus uh, 1,800 uh, in the Netherlands back in uh, July of 18. We've now come uh, all the way down where Netherlands were just a little bit ahead at uh, plus 733 of Germany as of November 13th. Of course, Germany will have dropped further after their Nations League defeat the odds of England winning are currently at plus 500. Uh, so France are the favorites at plus 500, Belgium plus 550, England plus 550, the Netherlands at plus 700, and Germany at plus 700, Spain at plus 700. And then you get into the more long shots of Italy, Portugal, Croatia, Denmark, etc., etc., uh, all the way down to North Macedonia at plus 50,000. But you know, as I look at these odds, and again, these are the odds prior to uh, this weekend's uh, uh, Nations League play. If you look at these, uh, I think that they're off because I certainly think France is the favorite. I would say Netherlands would be right behind them, uh, then Belgium, then England, uh, likely then Spain, then possibly Germany. So I think things are moving around a little bit. Uh, in terms of the odds. Again, these are futures odds, and they will change as we have uh, uh, a few more international games before uh, the Euros do kick off next year. And I believe they will happen June 11th through July 11th of next year. So there will be some more international matches to look at, including the Nations League, which is now set and moving into the group stages. So let's take a look, shall we? League A is Italy and the Netherlands will move forward out of Group 1. Uh, Italy, uh, perfect, uh, didn't lose a game, only conceded two goals in a group with the Netherlands, Poland, and Bosnia. So, excuse me, Bosnia and Herzegovina. So, uh, you know, Italy very, very strong here in the group stages, and possibly Italy could be a dark horse here for the Euros. Let's go back to those odds that we were talking about um, for odds of the Euros. Italy, a plus 900. Uh, The most recent odds for Italy were... Uh, plus 1400 so uh, that's a great a great value right now if you could get Italy uh, I would 
place a little wager there because I think I think they're very undervalued right now. Uh, group two, Belgium, Denmark, England, and Iceland. England and Iceland not advancing. England ending on points after the 4-0 uh, defeat of Iceland in the final group game. Uh, Belgium on top at 15 points with only losing the one game. Uh, Denmark with 10 points. Uh, as I said, England and Iceland going out. Group three is France and Portugal. France unbeaten. Um, scoring 12 goals, only conceding five. Portugal uh, drawing one, losing one. Uh, of course, the game they, they lost was <coughs> excuse me was to France. Croatia and Sweden eliminated from uh, the Nations League. Spain and Germany moving forward in Group 4 with Spain on top, Ukraine and Switzerland exiting. If we go down to League B, it gets kind of interesting, though. Austria and Norway moving through. The Czech Republic and Scotland. Scotland actually losing their last game to Israel, which was interesting. Hungary and Russia moving on. Serbia and Turkey eliminated from Group 4. Wales and Finland moving forward from Group 4. Republic of Ireland and Bulgaria, uh, not so much. Uh, and then we get into the, the uh, countries, no disrespect, but from a footballing perspective, I don't know how interested you would be in Kazakhstan or Slovenia. And if we get into Group D, we're going to go even down, further down the list of the Faroe Islands, Gibraltar, Liechtenstein, Latvia, and San Marino, and Malta, the football powerhouse. Uh, that is Malta. So I'm not sure that we really... Oh, I hate to say care, because if you're from one of those countries, you certainly do care. But certainly from what we talk about in this on this show, uh, not all that much interest there. But it is fascinating to see Italy. And I look at Italy. Uh, they did draw three games, admittedly. And that may be why they're not looked at <clears throat> as a uh, in, in more favorable light by the odds makers. They drew Bosnia at home. Uh, they beat the Netherlands in Holland. And that is, a, that is a result that you have to look at, by the way, um, as a really important, uh, as an important result. They drew Poland away in Poland, and they drew the Netherlands at home. And then they went to Bosnia and beat, uh, and beat them 2-0. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at Italy's results, they've actually been, been pretty decent. A couple of draws, no losses, uh, really not conceding very many goals. I think when you're playing Poland and Bosnia, the ex expectation is that you'd probably score more goals than they did. But uh, Italy and the Netherlands both only scoring 11 goals over the six matches. Uh, if, uh, for example, if you look at Group 2 with Belgium, Denmark, England, and Iceland, I think you could say um, a, a strong group. Belgium scored 16 goals. I mean, think about that. 16 goals. I mean, uh, remote, Roberto Martinez's uh, side, uh, a really good goal-scoring tally. They only conceded six. Same thing with France and Portugal in their group, scoring 12 goals apiece. Of course, Spain, 13 goals, and Germany, 10. So when you look at the tally for Italy and the Netherlands, uh, it, it is a little sh uh, seven goals each. You know, you wonder, you know, if they've got the necessary firepower they need to uh, to do the job at Euro 2021. Uh, it is actually Euro 2020, but it is being played in 2021. Just for some added uh, typical football confusion for you. Uh, let's talk about some news uh, rolling its way around the world of football. Man City and Liverpool striker Mario Balotelli has been talking to Barnsley in the championship. Uh, that's interesting. You may remember Balotelli, a very colorful player played for Liverpool for a while. It wasn't particularly uh, successful. But um, that, to me, is interesting. Uh, 
that Balotelli is trying to keep his uh, trying to keep himself intact. And if we look at the championship, by the way, the big story. I don't think we talk we talked much about this uh, um, yesterday, uh, but uh, you know, Derby County, who last year had a terrific season. I mean, almost making promotion. Uh, fired their coach, Philippe Cocu, because they are in big trouble. 11 games in, dead bottom of the table. Um, they only have one win in 11 games, and they actually have seven losses. They've scored only five goals in 11 games. Now, look, the championship is one of the most difficult leagues you can play in. It's grueling. There are 24 teams in the championship. It's not sexy like the Premier League. Uh, you know, there's it, not quite as much money. It's a tougher, I think it's a tougher, harder game. And, um, you know, it's a real grind. And I think uh, Derby County decided it was time to make a change. Of course, Wayne Rooney being groomed there at Derby County to take over as the manager uh, after Philippe Cocu. But now that Cocu's been fired, Rooney is now the player coach, I believe, is now his title. So now all hands and all eyes are on uh, the diminutive shoulders of the very stocky Wayne Rooney. Say diminutive because he's not the tallest guy. Uh, we'll see what happens with Derby County. It would be a real shame for them to get relegated. Uh, and if you look at the top of the table right now, you've got Reading and Watford are in the automatic promotion positions. Keep in mind, this is really, really early doors here in the championship. Then Norwich, Bournemouth, Bristol, and Swansea are currently in the... Um, in the playoff spots. We're going to get to more of the championship as we get a little deeper on into the season. Uh, as we look at the Premier League and, of course, getting ready for a full weekend of Premier League action coming up not too far away, just a few days away. And I will, again, on Friday be giving you my um, patented Premier League preview show. Leicester, Tottenham, Liverpool, and Southampton rounding out the top four. Chelsea in the fifth spot. Again, the big story in the Premier League, just to refresh your to refresh your memory, is Man United in 14th spot and Man City in 10th spot. Lots of discussion going back and forth now about Pep Guardiola and Lionel Messi. We talked about this a, uh, a couple of days ago. There were rumors that Guardiola had agreed a new contract, but, but uh, Goal Magazine is reporting that Guardiola hasn't decided if he's going to stay at City or not. Even though the Sun, for whatever worthless rag that is, is talking about how City are ready to uh, go back in hard for uh, Lionel Messi. But the Sun are not the only one reporting that. That's being reported in Spain. That's being reported in England. And I have to think where there's smoke, there's, fi there's fire. But I wonder how much of a draw Pep Guardiola is going to be to Lionel Messi, which means if you want to get Messi, you've probably got to keep Guardiola, which means that offer sheet for Guardiola for his re for re-sign him is going to have to get more and more lucrative uh, as they go along, as as it may well, as it may well. A um, couple of other just quick stories. Um, some uh, talk about there, uh, talk about players here and there. But for me, uh, Kepa, Kepa Arizabalaga from Chelsea. You know, he was the highest paid goalkeeper. Is willing to take a pay cut in order to get away from Chelsea because he's upset that he's not getting regular football and he's worried about his place. Uh, in this Spain squad for Euro 2020. So look, those are some stories going around in football. We'll cover more of them as we get in back into the Premier League uh, next week and, of course, Friday. Meantime, I've got to go to break. This is World Soccer Radio 
on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM211. I'm Nick Gieber. We are presented by betonline.ag, and I'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. World Soccer Radio on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Also Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. And a big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. I am your host, Nick Eber. Great to be with you. Uh, Sad day, sad weekend as uh, the news uh, has reverberated that... uh, Legend, goalkeeping legend, Liverpool legend, England legend, Tottenham legend, Ray Clements passed away from prostate cancer over the weekend uh, at the age, the young age of 72 years old. Uh, Very sad indeed. Um, If you're new to the sport, and there's an assumption that I make uh, that Many people here in the United States are new to the sport uh, in the last, I don't know, I mean, let's let's give it, since I've been doing this, 20 years, okay? Since I've been on the air here in the U.S., 20 years. Uh, many of you probably don't know who Ray Clements was. Part of that is the same way that if you want to talk to me about the great NFL teams of the 1970s, uh, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you who the great players were. I mean, sure, uh, there's the guys on the commercials all the time um, whose name escapes me now. That just tells you how much I know about it. But uh, allow me to fill you in a little bit on the legend that was Ray Clements. He was English. He was signed from... Uh, he started his footballing career in 1966, for Scunthorpe United, which was then in the th- which was then a third division team, which now would me- mean it was in the uh, uh, League Two. But Bill Shankly, the Liverpool, the the legendary Liverpool manager Bill Shankly, uh, saw something in Ray Clements and signed him in 1967 for Scunthorpe for the whopping fee of eighteen thousand pounds. Also inter- interesting to know, signed in the same general time frame. Uh, from Scunthorpe United was um, uh, another absolutely great player uh, that also um, was scouted by. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, also was uh, scouted by um, um, Bill Shankly. We're talking, of course, about Kevin Keegan, who moved to Liverpool uh, just a few years later, played at Scunthorpe through 1971. Um, Ray Clements moved to Liverpool in 1967. But, you know, obviously Scunthorpe United was a uh, was a hotbed of recruiting for Bill Shankly. Uh, so Ray Clements goes to Liverpool and plays at Liverpool in its glory, in its halcyon days, in, in its, its glory days, in, in the great era of Liverpool Football Club, club through the late 60s through the 70s. He left in 1981 uh, largely as a result of, well, part of it was uh, he'd already had 470 caps, uh, 470 appearances for Liverpool, um, but he was getting a lot of pressure in goal from Bruce Grobelaar, who was another Liverpool legend, 
but uh, decided at that time that he would move to Tottenham Hotspur where he played another 240 games over a seven-year period. Uh, I mean, this large man, and he was you know, six foot, which for the time was a big player, okay? Not just uh, a goalkeeper, but an aggressive goalkeeper and sort of a, one who really saw that his job in goal was to be more than just stand between the, the sticks and he was really acted a, a lot he swept up the mess that the defenders couldn't get not just stop the shots in goal uh, really a goalkeeper far ahead of his time um, he when it came to England he had 60 uh, he had uh, 63 uh, 63 caps for England but the problem that he had for England was, you know, he 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 was an England goalkeeper at the time that the great P Peter Shilton uh, was an England goalkeeper. So, uh, you know, it was it, he was sort of the second choice to Peter Shilton, and uh, he probably would have had more than the sixty-four or so caps that he had uh, if if Peter Shilton hadn't have been there. His numbers were absolutely stupendous. With Liverpool, he won the league. Five times, 72, 75, 76, 78, 79. He won an FA Cup. He won a League Cup. He won, uh, what, four or five charity shields, three European Cups. We talk about the great age of Liverpool. His final season, 80, 81, they won the European Cup, 76, 77, 77, 78. Keep in mind, in four years, Liverpool won the European Cup three times. He won two UEFA Cups, a Super Cup. He also won the FA Cup, the Charity Shield, and the UEFA Cup with Tottenham. Look, the man was an absolute legend and played at that time in Liverpool, as I mentioned, when it was the stuff of legends. If you, take, if you think about the players that Ray Clements played with, we're talking about Roy Evans and Emlyn Hughes and Tommy Smith and Phil Thompson and Ian Callaghan and Steve Highway, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Kevin Keegan. Toshak. Think about that for a minute. This guy played on the legendary teams of Liverpool Football Club. And his era transcended the sort of great teams of the early 70s all the way to the great teams of the late 70s. You talk, uh, when you know Bob Paisley was at the helm. You're talking about Kenny Dalglish and David Fairclough. Uh, Terry McDermott, one of my absolute favorite midfielders, by the way. Uh, Ray Kennedy. We, um, I'm just trying to think who else was on those great teams of him. I'm sure I'm, I'm missing a few guys. Alan Hansen. And you know, the interesting thing is, uh, if you look back at the makeup of those teams, I mean, everyone on those teams was English. I think the 70-71 team was pretty much everyone was English, maybe with, uh, the, um, with one or two exceptions uh, from Wales, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm just trying to think who would have been, who would not have been English. Uh, well, obviously, Toshak was Welsh. Oh, yeah, Stevie Highway was Irish. And... Um, Hmm. Maybe or one of my uh, listeners will fill, will uh, jog my memory. I can probably look it up if I have time. Um, but you know how times have changed. <laughs> how times have changed in the eras of football, and this is one of the things, one of the legacies, one of the memories uh, 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 of of a legend like Ray Clements.
when you get to look back at the cycles of change in football, which, as you know, is something that I talk about a lot on this show, the cycles of change in football. Not only did he play in the great era when, when English teams dominated Europe, of course, up till Heysel, and then after Heysel, uh, you know, English teams were banned for a period of time from European football, and that was sort of the great changeover. You saw the big Spanish teams sort of dominate for years and years in, in uh, the European Cup, and you saw the English teams struggle to rebuild uh, their European pedigree, which, of course, now they fully regained. And out of that, you also saw the emergence of uh, the Premier League era and Manchester United as the dominant force and the, uh, and the, um, the change in uh, the game in and of itself as a result of Hillsborough, uh, where, of course, they got rid of uh, the terraces and the standing and they went to individual seat mandates and the individual seat tickets and the, the price started pricing the sort of element the 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 element that had been the glue the supporters glue of football out and football started to become a bit of the prawn cocktail crowd so you really saw this whole that whole era between 67 when Ray Clements joins Liverpool all the way through 81 when he leaves and goes to Tottenham uh, through the mid 80s through Heysel through the changes you get into the 90s you start to get into the Premier League Premier League era so Ray Clements really represents the end of the old era of English football. And of course, the advent of the Premier League era, you start to see a completely different makeup of teams. Gone are the days when you're going to have a squad of entirely English players, and you're going to have a, a couple of Welshmen and Irishmen and maybe a Scotsman thrown in there. Of course, if, if you're in the US and you don't understand, these are different countries. They're all part of the United Kingdom, but they're all different countries. So it's fascinating when we look and, and mourn the passing of this legend. And I never met him, uh, but from everything I've heard and been told, he was an absolutely lovely guy, a humble, a humble man, um, really thought of others, loved the clubs that he came from, and was loved as well. I mean, it's very rare that when... Uh, there's stories of Ray Clements playing for Tottenham, uh, going to Anfield, and uh, when he's... Uh, playing in front of the cop in goal for the opposition team his name is being sung by the fans uh in tribute so there's a lot to be said about the man and but his passing really can bring us full circle to the changes in the game since his day and they have been absolutely monumental changes i mean i remember starting to follow liverpool in 1971 72 uh, the great teams, Ray Clements, obviously part of those teams. So for me personally, um, I'm not looking. It's sad because he was 72 years old. He was a relatively young man, but I'm smiling because I get to look back and remember uh, some of the great memories of my youth. It really is uh, unbelievable to think how much the sport has evolved and changed in the time since Ray Clements. And of course, I mentioned Ray Clements making way for Bruce Grobler. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Grobler really was at the helm of the last great Liverpool team uh, up until its, uh, I won't say its demise, but its turmoil. And, you know, we can say the word turmoil with 
with a grain of salt, because the one thing Liverpool has always done, even when it wasn't winning the Premier League year over year, is Liverpool was competing in Europe, whether it was uh, UEFA Cups, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, Istanbul in uh, 2001, whether it was, um, you know, the old FA Cup here and there. They still managed to compete, but there was no... There was no, um, there was no great era. And by the way, I'm sorry, I said 2001. Of course, I meant 2005. Um, there was no great era. So Ray Clements has passed. It's an opportunity to look back at the evolution of the game and the cycles. And possibly we're seeing another cycle now in the Premier League as more and more teams are getting big investments from foreign money. Uh, the ability to buy top players, further internationalize the teams continue. And yes, you're seeing the best league in the world. I wouldn't say hands down because there's obviously a lot of great competition. But um, the game has changed. 2001, of course, was uh, Liverpool's treble year where they won the FA Cup, the Worthington Cup and the UEFA Cup. All right, uh, I'm going to have to go to break. When we come back, let's talk about some of the gossip making its way around the world of football. There's some interesting stories out there, some stories worthy of discussion. Stay with me here on World Soccer Radio. I'm Nick Eber, and I'll be right back after this. Well, welcome back. World Soccer Radio, Nick Gieber. That's going to wrap up the show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you will make me a regular part of your week. If you would like to do that, then I can tell you, you need to set your dial to either uh, the Sports Byline Broadcast Network or Sirius XM 211 at 6 p.m. Pacific or Midnight Pacific. That's 9 p.m. on the East Coast or 3 a.m. Uh, on the East Coast. The Midnight and 3 a.m. Uh, versions of the show you can hear on Sports Overnight America. Uh, say, same show, but uh, great to be with you through the wee hours of the night as well. We're also heard on the American Forces Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and our podcast is available right as the show is over. You can find us on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, you would do yourself a big favor if you should go there and subscribe to the show. You'll be notified and your new shows will be downloaded when available, which is basically every day because I'm pretty efficient and really enjoy bringing the show to you. A little programming note as we get ready for the Premier League. You may want to check out my preview show on Friday. I'm going to give you some odds and some picks courtesy of our great sponsor, betonline.ag, where I would encourage you uh, to go over there. They've got game spreads, totals, teams, players, coaching props. They give you all these options to wager more than anywhere else online. Plus, they've got an online casino that's open 24 hours a day, just like the ones here in Las Vegas. Head over to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. That's betonline.ag. And once again, if you want some great podcasts other than this one, our podcast network, Believe, has uh, a, a BSI and the Shep Messing Show. You're definitely going to want to check both of those out. They're awesome shows, a lot of fun, and uh, you will definitely enjoy listening to them while you work out or do whatever it is, drive around, 
what have you. Anyway, thank God the International Week is coming to a break. Week 10 days is coming to an end. I, for one, cannot be happier. We're going to get down back to the nitty-gritty of the big leagues, which is why we really do love and follow the sport. Until tomorrow, have a great night. Stay safe. Enjoy the football. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.